Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. Kat Rose is the author of the non-fiction self-help book, The Creative Introvert. She's also the host of the podcast of the same name, The Creative Introvert. Kat Rose, welcome to The Fearless Storyteller. Hi, Ethan. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Hey, it's a pleasure. I got to hear you on The Creative Pen recently, and I was really interested in what you had to say. and wanted to invite you to the show to talk about creative introverts. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was very nervous on that podcast, so I'm glad that um, it, it still went down well. <laughs> that was great. So you want to tell the audience, for people who may not know you, what, who you are and what you do? Sure. So like you said, I help creative introverts. And um, the reason that became a thing at all for me was I had, um, originally I was, I was a web designer and I still do a bit of design work here and there, but uh, it turns out that the office life just didn't suit me. And I don't think it suits a lot of people, especially introverts. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I went freelance, um, I tried to kind of, you know, make my living as a freelance illustrator, something I'd always loved doing, even as a little kid, just liked drawing things, um, which which isn't very unusual, I suppose, with kids. Um, Turns out it's actually quite hard to (laughs) make a career out of doing that, Um, Mm. but not just because it's competitive and all of that stuff. Um, It dawns on me quite quickly that the marketing side of things did not come easy to me. Mm. Um, And I remember complaining to a friend about all of this, and he pegged me as an introvert, and, you know, I kind of like debated this because I had a different interpretation to introvert than he did. I thought it just meant that we're shy, that we don't like people. Um, and he very quickly cleared that up. He pointed me in the direction of Susan Kane and her wonderful book, Quiet, her TED Talk, all of that. Um, and a sort of a big world of in- internet introverts opened up to me. Uh, and I just kind of kept diving into that and seeing how... So many of the creatives that I knew also happened to be introverts. So we all kind of shared a lot of the same problems in terms of getting our work out there, mm-hmm. um, whether it was, you know, not having the energy to want to or be able to go to a networking event, um, to just like speaking about our work online, um, sharing our work, uh, you know, even just writing a caption on Instagram just was difficult for us. Um, not so much exhibitionists as, as introverts. Mm. So this kind of like just led, led me down a rabbit hole and I started blogging about my experience with trying to market my work as an introvert. And that's what led to the creative introvert, uh, the blog, the podcast, um, also coaching is, is something that I've kind of, you know, I think a lot of people fall into that probably unqualified, but mm-hmm. you know, we're all people. I think people can help people. And, and that's what I think a lot of coaching is, mm. uh, and, and an online community because um, I realized as well that as much as I'm an introvert, I can't do everything alone. I still need people. So. You do? You do? <laughs> right. Shocking. I fought that for years. <laughs> we do, don't we? And, and then we learn um, 
we learn how it doesn't work for us. And Begrudgingly so, but yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So was it as, it almost sounds like it was a revelation for you to find out that you were an introvert. It, it really was, um, which, you know, in hindsight, I think like, oh, how did I not know about this? But I think part of it is because I did have a different um, idea of what an introvert was. And I had conflated the term that I describe as introvert now with mm. shyness. And shyness is a different trait, which I also had. And I guess to an extent have, but that can be lessened, I think, with some work. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas introversion feels feels more like something that's just hardwired into my brain. Um, and there is some science to suggest that introverts and extroverts' brains do function a little bit differently, uh, yeah. our reaction to different things, yeah. So just to take it a little more personal for a moment so and i know this is introvert to introvert a very difficult thing to do in the first five <laughs> minutes um what did you think introversion was before why didn't you think you were an introvert well it was because i thought of that shy thing and i had thought that particularly in my like early 20s i had gotten over that i was better than shyness you know i thought oh i'm sociable i can deal with people um which is true i i learned to be more social. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was fighting that definition of introvert. Um, also, I think there's a lot of, especially in the States, but even in the UK where I'm obviously from, uh, some stigma around not being an outgoing person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this idea that, oh, well, if you don't like people, you're just not very nice. And, and the truth is, it's not that we don't like people. It's, it's this idea that if I'm in a big group of people, that's stressful. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's just not enjoyable. There's no part of that that, <laughs> that I like to um, get involved with. And I think still now people will be like, oh, you seem perfectly extroverted. You're able to communicate okay mm-hmm. and, and all of this stuff. But you put me in a group of like four or five people and I, I do struggle. Um, so, like, a, like an office team? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is partly why I struggled, I think, so much in an, an open plan office environment. Um, but let's say it's just at a party, even with friends or family members. Mm-hmm. Able to like break into a conversation has never been something I like doing. And maybe that's partly because I'm the youngest child and, you know, you kind of don't really get a word in. Got mm-hmm. a big family. Um, but it, that's just not something I have ever been able to do. Hmm. So it sounds like you've found a way to communicate and do work on your own terms. A hundred. Well, I'd like to think so. That's what I try to do every day. Um, It's figuring out first what I'm like. So that began with figuring out what it meant to be an introvert, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then shaping my day-to-day life around some of those things. Um, So it's, you know, asking myself, what do I need? Um, what are my values? Mm. What do I want? Um, and then trying to figure out what in my world I can shape to, to make that so. Yeah. So that sounds like intention setting, almost like figuring out what works for you, what's aligned, and then acting in a way that meets your needs, which is yeah. a pretty evolved position to arrive at, I've found, at least in my own experience. Well, that's a good point. I mean, I was just going to say it sounds simple, but I think a lot of people aren't doing it because we go on autopilot. That's again, we're we're designed to do that. We're designed Mm -hmm. to just go with the flow. 
um, until we burn out or get, find ourselves wildly unhappy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I've been there. <laughs> um, yeah, probably in an office. You know, what? when I was listening to your podcast and checking out your stuff, what, you know, what struck me in my own personal experiences was, yeah, I enjoyed the work in the office world. And, but what I didn't like was having to conform to the schedule and working in the same space the same way as everybody. Like I wanted to roam. I wanted to move my body and I wanted to, you know, I needed to get away from the keyboard and the computer in the office to think about the work that I was doing, which was creative work. And that wasn't necessarily rewarded or valued or understood perhaps. Yeah, no, I can really relate to that. Um, just having a schedule, like I was just thinking about the idea of having just a one hour lunch break and, or, you know, less than that in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, that never suited me. First of all, I didn't need like a full hour, but I, I wanted multiple breaks in my day. Yeah. I find it really hard to sit at my, you know, laptop for more than two hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Even now I've, I've kind of designed my own schedule and I wish I could be one of those people who could sit for four hours straight in the zone like working I just I've never been able to do that even at my like most peak creative performance I still need to take these breaks and a lot of that does like you said involve moving my body taking a quick walk um and and yeah redirecting my eyes to another task Mm. all of these things you know especially if you're trying to do creative work and I you know creative work is a very broad thing but just everything from problem solving um to coming up with ideas I think if if workplaces really took that into consideration they would have to change a lot of things mm-hmm. um, and yeah it may be I think for a lot of people it would people should consider talking to their boss about this stuff before quitting because I do think had I been more direct with what I needed um, my boss was a good person and would have understood yeah. that as well so well, that was I, I don't know what what it's like in British culture per se around this, but I know that there's this friction that often happens in office spaces and workplaces between the ideas of working hard versus like the meritocracy where your contribution and the quality of your contribution is what's valued versus being in the seat and showing up even when you're not at your best performance, but grinding and grinding through this idea of, of being there and sweating and grinding. And that's, I see that a lot um, in kind of upper management mentality as far yeah. as been rewarded and what's kind of sought after. And I certainly had plenty of conversations about it with managers and that kind of thing. And, you know, I'd find the supportive managers, but at the end of the day, you know, they'd be quick to warn me that, hey, so-and-so, either this co-owner or this, you know, executive, you know, <laughs> they're paying attention to this stuff and they don't like seeing that you're not at your desk. And Yeah, right? it's it, because they, they don't, they're not measuring the right metrics. And it's, it's so funny. Um, it's the complete opposite when you think about it. Uh, Mm. office place where you're meant to be um, logging time at the desk versus if you're freelance and you're working for a client, they Mm -hmm. want the less time as possible spent on whatever task they have. Yeah. Um, 
and the highest output, the highest um, like effectiveness. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I've completely forgotten about that element of just like logging the hours, and it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. All right. So you mentioned this word effectiveness, and I could see how you might be able to tie it in together with this idea of your schedule, your ideal schedule that you've figured out for yourself, and how that oh, yeah. your performance. Do you want to talk about that? Like, yeah, you, I love. What have you discovered about yourself? Gah, this is like my favorite thing to geek out on. Uh, for one mm-hmm. of them. Uh, I remember reading this book, uh, Daily Rituals, How Artists Work, I think, by Mason Curry, okay. uh, which, which talks a lot about just, and that, by the way, these aren't all like healthy, you know, get up at 6am and like work out. These mm-hmm. are the, the bonkers kind of routines that some of the great artists and writers and all of that in history have had. Mm. It just, it opened my eyes to, yeah. And who was this Mason? Down. What was the author? Um, Mason Curry. Okay, cool. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant book. Um, so, you know, we'll have things like uh, Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci would, I think he would kind of keep to what they call it, I think it's called an Uberman schedule, where you're awake for four hours, take a 20-minute sleep or something like that. Um, anyway, it just it made me realise how flexible our lives are if, if, if we've chosen that route. You know, mm-hmm. obviously you have to make a conscious decision and luckily I didn't have, like, any responsibilities so I, I played around a lot with my own schedule, figured out that I could definitely, I could easily get up at 5am and be at my most effective between the hours of sort of like eight and one. Um, after that, like in the afternoon, I do start to, um, my mind goes, I don't feel as creative. I, yeah, like it's just downhill from there really for me. And that's like a classic early bird. Um, and then there are these other chronotypes. So you also have night owls. So for some people, getting up super early is just never going to work for them. And I do think that's a big problem in the working world, especially if you've got like kind of nine to five or nine to six. Yeah. Um, that's just so unfair for those people. And they do their most creative work in the wee hours of the morning. Um, and then there are people who are like more flexible and can kind of move between both of those. But just just knowing that, instantly gave me a structure for my day. So, um, and then, yeah, yeah, go on. No, please continue. Well, it was just that I, I also read stuff by, I think Daniel Pink has done research mm-hmm. into good times of the day and how our creativity uh, peaks and drops at different times. Mm-hmm. So something I also didn't want to write, like when I learned that, I realized that, oh, I can't just stop working at like 2 p.m., I could have another creative spike a bit later in the day. Mm-hmm. It's just, how do I set myself up? How do I kind of take a refreshing break? So what I used to do is, you know, go for an afternoon walk. You know, I kind of drag myself out of the house to do that. But mm-hmm. recently, since I've been traveling and I've been in Asia, so a lot of my clients are in the States and uh, I'm working early in the morning or late in the evening for them. Uh, so I take a, a nap. I've, I've really gotten... <laughs> good with naps Mm. and it's amazing because it's like you have a second day if you if you nap correctly um it's it's really amazing what kind of creative stuff happens um just in that period after a nap (laughs) so yeah that's been my recent thing yeah that's a cool discovery you know i um i was trained in teaching yin and restorative yoga Mm. and i i found that i could break that afternoon kind of crash doldrum and get a second creative wind if I just did 12 to 20 minutes 
of like restorative poses, like just, just time for like two poses, a forward bend and a back bend with that deeper focused, self-aware breathing and clearing the mind. And that was enough to get the same reset bounce as that nap. Wow. I must try that. I'm going to try that and I'll get back to you because yeah, I am a big fan of yoga. So that's, that's great. Yeah. I like geeking out on this stuff too. Cause like my whole schedule, it's like, I, so, you know, talking about writers, Kat, right. We've got a lot of writers who, you know, when, when they're thinking about going full-time or do go full-time, like word count becomes a consideration, mm. right? And so there's a lot of people who are grinding, uh, right? That button seat time. And do you see, like, when you get clients or work with people, like, do you hear about, like, burnout? And do you talk to people about burnout? And, yeah, for sure. Um, I think particularly I'm talking a lot to people definitely in jobs and like trying to kind of start something new, but mm -hmm. also people who've just been working for themselves for a while. And because you have this flexibility over your schedule, you just pack in as much work as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, going back to what I was saying about effectiveness, that's really not the best way to be effective. Um, and yet we've got this voice in our mind, like regardless of what your situation is, um, whether you're a stay at home mom or like all of these different situations in life. Yeah. For, for most of us, we have this voice telling us, Oh, but you should be doing more. Um, mm -hmm. so the good old inner critic or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, it, and, and I mean, I, I also chalk it down to a lot of Catholic guilt in my case. Um, it's, <laughs> It's this idea that, you know, there's always something else you could be doing. Right. That's, that's, that's pretty unhealthy attitude. And it's, it's just not effective um, because as you know, you know, taken to an extreme, that's going to lead to burnout. You're going to feel um, tired. That can actually be a physical, um, uh, physical condition. Adrenal fatigue is, is a real mm -hmm. thing. Um, or you're just not going to do your best creative work. When I try to write, especially writing um, when I'm not like, um, at my best or even just like moderately <laughs> doing okay. Um, the work I'm going to produce is, is useless. Um, yeah. I'm not going to be able to use it. Uh, yeah. And, and that doesn't mean, you know, that there isn't a point where you can kind of like, even if you don't feel like sitting down to write, obviously sometimes you just need to like push through the first crappy paragraphs and then you might get into a zone. I, I do believe right. in that as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's knowing your limits and it's knowing that that fluctuates. So I know that, yeah, I mean, I've been really interested in kind of like tracking all of this and I journal. So I'm always kind of like reflecting on what are my creative levels? What are my energetic levels? Like just all of these little things and kind of just seeing how much it, it changes and not to beat myself up when I'm not feeling um, on top form. Yeah. And so what is, what does your schedule look like now? Gosh, I mean, it's changed so much this year because I've been moving every few weeks. Mm. Um, but it's crucial to have my morning routine. Like if I skip and I did for, for a few months earlier this year, I missed my morning meditation. I just stopped. I thought, ah, screw it. Like <laughs> I'm, you know, my life is, I'm doing different things now. I'm out in nature more. Maybe that will be like enough. Mm -hmm. And maybe to an extent, I mean, I'm sure that was really helpful, 
But if I don't start my day with like 20, 10 to 20 minutes of like seated meditation, mm. um, I do notice a difference. My mind becomes way more frenetic um, over time. I have less patience for other people. I have less patience for myself. Mm. So now I always, I mean, I remember thinking just this morning, um, you know, like we're speaking in the morning and I thought, okay, what's, it's a, it's a Sunday. What's the latest I can get up? which I don't, I don't normally think that it's just, I like to have one day of the week where, where I'm thinking like that. But yeah. my priority was, I know I need to get my meditation in. Like that's one thing. And it's not because I'm trying to reach some like goal or try to like, you know, I want to meditate for an hour. No, I don't. I just know that there's a minimum I have to do to be sane. Um, so anyway, that's my rant about meditation. Very okay. helpful for me. So you start with um, that. Yeah. Um, then, then it kind of can change. Um, I used to watch like, or listen to like podcasts or inspirational YouTube mm-hmm. videos while drawing. Um, drawing mandalas has been something that over the last couple of years has been really like, it just gets me into a good mood. Yeah, and I a, think it's like a creative play. It is. And it's, I mean, who knows what it's doing like subconsciously. I, I haven't really um, reflected on that much, but mm-hmm. I think part of me just needs to be, doing that with my hand. Like I said, I've been loving drawing since I was a kid. It's mm-hmm. just not something I think I should ever chop out. You know, and you speak to people who they loved dancing as a kid, they mm-hmm. should still be dancing to some extent, you know, even if it's like five minutes a day to their favorite song. I think there are these hardwired things that still need like an outlet and drawing is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I have time, I'll read but if not, I'm, I'm pretty much getting to work then. So writing, I find if I can write um, probably between like 10 and noon, mm-hmm. then that's really good. And I'll always go out to do that. So I'll, I'll never start that session at home. I'll always go to a coffee shop. And that's just a fun thing. Like when, while I'm traveling, it's really like the highlight of my day is like, oh, what, what new coffee house can I, can I try out? Um, and then the rest of the day is kind of like more dependent on client work, um, Mm -hmm. or any other like projects with the creative introvert. Also just, I I go through phases. So at the moment I'm feel like I'm in an absorption learning phase. Uh, this whole year I've been a bit like that. And I was just talking to my community and saying, uh, it's been like just over nine months of this learning phase. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm just about warming up to start creating new things again uh, so I haven't really like <laughs> produced anything like totally original other than the podcast this year yeah. um which is still something I mean that's like you're doing something every week but I totally like get that. I totally get that I wrote a non-fiction book last year in the summer yeah like oh you know I should write more of these but then it's like no it, I need more time to integrate and learn and put my thoughts together beforehand Um, as opposed to writing fiction and other things. It's definitely a different process. I find that's interesting. I mean, just a quick question. So do you think with fiction, you can just move from like story to story or like, Oh yeah. How does I feel like, I feel like I've got a point of view. I've got the characters inside me, you know, and I can just like, I used to write songs a lot. I was a songwriter and like the idea of coming up with a concept and playing with it and just starting 
that's that's pretty easy to do. But in terms of having an organized thought that's going to help somebody right draw upon wisdom and tie it together you know uh, it, it definitely feels like it has to be more learning or it feels like i've poured in my learning or my body of knowledge to date yes into the thing i created and i have yeah. to go refill that well with new stuff and insights before i've got enough to share again that's the perfect analogy yeah, yeah. that's that's exactly it and I'm definitely an introvert and a creative introvert. So I, I sense we have a lot of overlap, like even talking about your schedule, right? I don't just get up and start writing. I, yeah. I have to, I make sure that I clear my mind and kind of keep it clear and don't bring in the wrong inputs into my morning. Right? Sure. Like, like you don't, yeah. Like I don't, you don't want to just like check your phone first thing. Like that's just never good. Because it, well, it, it's, <laughs> As soon as I do that kind of information pull or check the news or go on social, like I'm bringing in other people's stuff and I have no control over whether it's going to be inspiring mm. or piss me off. Right. You know, and it's, it, it blocks my creativity. Like it puts me in an afternoon kind of energy to do. Right. That. And so, yeah, I have to be really careful in the morning before I write to, do things that are going to, and I'm, I have a family and kids. So I take my little girl to school in the morning and then it's like, okay, how do I clear myself so that I can go out and write? Um, yeah. And so for me going for a walk, doing the inspiring podcast, definitely some overlap there. Yeah. And I, and I write from about 10 to noon and then I find the words don't come anymore. So I have to, yeah, after about two hours, I have to take, two-hour break and go reset it sounds like you've got a lot of the similarity going on that that really is it and it's good to hear yeah. from a writer that like it's okay to have that block you know that's like the golden block and you know anything else that happens in the day is a bonus but that, exactly um, that's exactly yeah. how i feel yeah but i do try to design my day to get to another block where i feel like i'm ready and i need to get back on the keyboard well, that's it. And like, if you, I mean, it's a mixture between like, um, feeling inspired to like, you know, having a new idea. I mean, I was lying in bed the other night and I was like, something just clicked and, and that's great. And you can kind of get, get going on that the next day, <laughs> ideally. Um, but there are other times when I just have writing on my schedule and I even have the kind the topic that I want to write about. So it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm like, it's like practice writing about a particular topic or something that I'm learning about. And it does actually help me, particularly in that afternoon session, or if I get another session in, in the day, to have that there already planned so that I don't have to just wait for inspiration to strike. Mm -hmm. So it's pulling on both things. I mean, I'm an INTJ. I don't know if that means much to you in terms of uh, the Myers-Briggs yeah. type indicator. But, but, but explain what's most important about that. Well, I, I think for sure that the, the T and the, the J in particular, just really judging, uh, mm -hmm. really wants to close the loop. It wants to know what it's doing. It wants to have a deadline. It just wants clarity, like a lot, a lot of certainty. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a, a P, a perceiving type, which is the kind of other end of the, that spectrum, is more interested in open options um 
yeah, and spontaneity. And I, I for sure, with the, the, the J part, um, like that routine thing is really important to me. At the same time, the intuitive function, the second letter, N, um, that wants a certain degree of like freedom as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that morning session. Um, it's, you know, yeah, like you said, you kind of clear all the cobwebs in your morning routine and then you're free to like, you're, you're a free channel for those words. Um, and that feels like a very intuitive process. And, and a lot of creatives I speak to, particularly writers, fall into that like I-N, often F, uh, mm-hmm. J or P category. It's funny you bring up the P versus the J and the plan and the spontaneity. So I'm an INTP. And, okay. and like, so I spend all this energy making sure that things are getting on my calendar, right? I'm, I'm creating and I'm doing this work and I fill out my schedule. I get interviews. I've got other things going on. And then the day of, I get on my calendar. I'm like, oh no, I have a plan. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I can't be spontaneous. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I recommend to all peas in that case to plan for spontaneity, you know, so especially if you're a TP, you, you do want that, that like some kind of structure with the thinking side of things Yeah. But to have these almost like blocks for, you can do anything you want in this block or you've got these options within that block. Yeah. Uh, where, yeah. Where I've landed is I try to, my second productivity slot is open so it can be either i work on a project or i do creative play yeah depending on my need is for the day yeah that that works for me really well um and if i'm not doing that if i'm not listening to my needs i do find that i burn out or i get stressed my work's not as good right we rebel don't we and i think all types all people have like a point where that rebellion kicks in um, and if we just removed that voice saying you you know you must go to the gym or something like that if we removed that voice telling us that we that's what we need to do we'd probably want to do it so mm-hmm. yeah don't let yourself rebel <laughs> yeah. so how did you come about to writing um, um it, i i think through reading <laughs> so um during well while i was still working at my um, office job i was getting into just reading blogs, mostly like really, uh, God, looking back, very uninteresting, like healthy living, uh, like lifestyle blogs. And just the more I read, the more I wanted to share mm. my own like stories or my own take on things. Uh, and I remember writing my first blog post as a sort of like argument to my boss who'd um, gone vegan, especially for health reasons. And I've absolutely, like nowadays, I'm like, I cringe when I think about my kind of like, uh, righteousness. Cause I was thinking, no, I, I don't think it's the healthiest way to be. It's, it's definitely ethical, but it's, it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And so my whole blog post was, was about this and mm-hmm. God, I mean, you know, it's, that's a shameful way to start writing, but anyway, that's what did it. <laughs> um, the, the argument mentative side of me. Um, but then that, and I, I, I just kind of kept writing and it was like a nice break from design work. It was just a different part of my brain and I I wasn't a terrible writer as a kid I I enjoyed like English like that's that was something I enjoyed doing Mm -hmm. um but didn't see that that would become 
my favorite thing to do. Uh, so now it's gotten to the point, I mean, obviously I started writing then about creativity and introversion. Um, and even with the podcast, I mean, I kind of started podcasting for the same reason. I was listening to podcasts. Right. And then part of me just thinks, well, if I find this useful, other people like me will also find this useful. So I, I couldn't help but do that, uh, which came even less um, naturally to me than, than writing. Um, also journaling. So that's just something that I found really valuable since I was 12. So, uh, and morning pages, uh, yeah. that concept yeah. by Julia Cameron, that had really kind of helped me write about myself in a way that I hadn't really been able to really express through blogging until I started doing that. Um, and, to, and so all of that kind of compounded until I just wanted to have my thoughts in one place, which was my first book. Right. So yeah, it was just a slow and steady process of. I like, I like how that started. Like you, you had a, you want, the more you read and the more opinions and information you consumed, the more you wanted to share your own point of view and yeah. lessons. And, and that's why we write and why we communicate is to share and exchange right. ideas. And I imagine that in that process of writing, you're also exploring ideas, right? You're trying them on. Gotcha. Think about something. I mean, it's this idea that extroverts think through speaking. Mm. I really think that introverts think, uh, yes, through, through thinking, but really I think writing is where um, stuff really gets processed, at oh, least yeah. for me. Yeah. Like I, have, I still have to externalize my thoughts. Otherwise, they just, they're just like a little mess in my head. Um, repeating on themselves but that as makes, soon as those that makes relationships messy doesn't it <laughs> yeah I, i'm sure like everything it's just like um when you start like those ideas start festering uh yeah they really need to come out <laughs> yeah or like i'll be i'll be asked like in relationship wise hey what are you thinking what do you think about that I'm like i'm not sure uh yeah it, um, but if i sit down afterwards and process it on paper or write then then I figure it out. <laughs> I love the idea of like saying to your spouse, like, hang on, let me write a blog post about it. I will, <laughs> I will get back to you. You'll see it in your email. <laughs> yes. I, I have a, a new blog coming soon. Dear Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so one of the things you mentioned early on in our conversation, you know, you got into doing this freelance and marketing work and it was, it was a struggle to do the freelance because uh, how, oh, I forget how you put it, but like it was, a, it was a chore to write about yourself where it felt yeah. uh, like you were exhibiting yourself in some way that maybe it was felt inauthentic or dirty. Like what was that about? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the idea of, I mean, it, it was hard enough to start blogging and, you know, it went from me being very anonymous, just being like a little illustrated cat head. Um, yeah. And slowly, again, I started seeing what were my favorite bloggers doing? Oh, they have quite a substantial um, about page. They're sharing about their lives. They feel like real people. Yeah. And I think I started want to, wanting to connect with readers in that way. So I had to kind of drag myself kicking and screaming to put, a picture of myself up on my website and write a short about page. And that was a big deal. Um, what what comes up for you? What, like what, what like feelings and, and discomfort? Oh, 
the resistance comes up doing that? A couple of things. So, like, definitely this idea of not wanting to be, um, like, a show-off or something. Like, just, you know, why do you need to attach your ego or your identity to this piece Mm -hmm. of art? You know, surely the art is good enough to stand alone. Oh, yeah, it speaks for itself, right? (laughs) Right, apparently so. Uh, Whereas I kind of disagree that some of my favourite artists, I love them more because I know about their story, or I think Mm -hmm. I do. I've read biographies and stuff like that. The other piece of it is, for me personally, not feeling like my about me, my story, like, was worth reading because Mm -hmm. my life is really uneventful, especially my early years. You know, I, I just, like, thank God it was just uneventful and, and fine. Um, whereas it wasn't until I kind of learned a bit about the hero's journey and the idea of, like, there are these archetypal structures um, and ways of kind of, like, pinning your life onto these pre-existing um, themes. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I started kind of, like, seeing my life in a different way. Um, and that was really empowering because it also made me think, oh, I'm just, I'm on this journey and there is so much more to come. Uh, yeah. And it got me excited to write about it and not just for other people, just for myself to, to kind of process my life through this lens. Well, I will say you have a fantastic about page on thecreativeintrovert.com. Uh, when I listened to you on the Creative Pen and I visited your website, I actually sent that to a marketing friend of mine, a marketing strategist. <laughs> now I'm like, this is a hero's journey story. <laughs> Tremendous. It's, it's, it's still not very dramatic, but definitely I, I took a lot of inspiration. From- it, it connects for sure. You took, you took me on a journey and I definitely encourage listeners to check it out. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you've come around on that and, you you're advocating for telling the story as a way to create a bond with your listener or with potential client. A hundred percent. I really, this is the thing that I, you know, I get very on my high horse about it with people in my community because I just, I just don't see it. I, I look at their beautiful work on, a, on their portfolio, but I don't know who's behind it. And I know a bit about them. I'm, you know, I've spoken to them online and, I think there is just so much there to share. Um, it's just like, it's heartbreaking to see that not out there um, because we connect with people. Like this is it. We, we even if we're, we're going shopping for like a, a necklace, like I've been in this beautiful country and I want to meet the person behind that product. And, and that's going to make my decision um, whether I'm going to buy it or not way more than just, you know, going on online and like scrolling through some probably nicer looking necklaces. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I just think it's, it's really, really valuable. And the other thing about just doing it for yourself as well, like the power of um, seeing your life in a bit more of an objective stance by writing about it is I think just a really good therapeutic tool as well. Hmm. And so just to be inclusive here for a moment, um, can we talk about the extroverts? Like, what do we? No. Because <laughs> we talk about the introverts, and so there must be overlap in what's useful for extroverts, and there must be maybe some confusing signs. Like, I imagine I've seen this. I know, like from my office and other days of having 
maybe the wrong mentor for me. Yes. Like that being, being taught that this is the way to do things because it works for me, the mentor. And maybe I have different needs than the person I'm giving advice to. Right. Well, that's, that's it. And it's exactly what I'm trying not to do. I mean, yes, I'm speaking generally to introverts, but even within introverts, we're all different. So we need to find our own path. Um, What is it? What does extrovert advice looks like, look like, like, how do I recognize it being a discerning introvert? Oh, like the advice from an extrovert. Well, again, it's, it's hard not to make um, assumptions, but I know that a lot of the particularly like marketing podcasts that I used to listen to, Mm. um, it would make everything seem very easy. Like, Oh, it's just, you know, you grab your phone, you go on Facebook live done, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you, you plug, you plug your thing. Um, and and, I mean, no offense to your fellow countrymen, but a lot of the people I was listening to were from the States. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's, there's a culture where it seems more natural and obvious to, sell things whereas in the uk like a lot of people are very, very um oh, oh I, c- I couldn't possibly you know oh no like uh, i can't possibly tell tell you about the thing that i have to sell even if you like you know that they want to buy it which i think is is ridiculous and actually that's partly why i don't necessarily want to live there so much anymore but at the same time it's a balance right there's there's a balance between um being overly humble and overly sales, sales, salesy. So you want to be, you want to find a spot that feels good for you. And that was the thing that came out with a lot of these marketing podcasts. That person, that guru had already found their spot or if they had been in my position and, and some of them are introverts, um, mm-hmm. Amy Porterfield's amazing. She's an introvert and, and she still has managed to do all of this amazing stuff, but it's a journey. And where you meet this person, often they're quite far along in their journey and they've forgotten what it was like when they were starting out and couldn't bring themselves to write an about page. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm trying, especially, I mean, I've been doing this for several years now. I, I feel like I'm, I'm trying to remember how hard it was in those early days and not forget it. Yeah. So like if I, if I told you, hey, all you have to do to be successful is to make 100 contacts a week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and what I tend to say to that is, um, if anything sounds too overwhelming, even if it's emailing several people a week, um, take it down a notch or a few notches um, until you can feel in yourself good about doing that thing. And yeah, one of my like go-tos is actually sending one email, ideally every day, to somebody who I admire and like thanking them for their work. Uh, And and of course there are going to be some days where that, that feels like too much. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, it's like trying to take anything that seems challenging and and breaking it down into the tiniest, tiniest steps. Um, Whereas, yeah, I guess with the, a lot of the people I was listening to back in the day, they, they had forgotten about those initial steps. Um, Mm. Yeah. So you mentioned there's some brain science to all this. Um, Like what's something interesting I should know about my introvert brain type versus an extrovert as far as like 
Is there something different about how I get my energy or? Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to botch this and I've got an amazing um, psychologist coming up on my podcast soon. Who's going to be talking about this, but it's, it's this idea that, yeah, an extrovert is going to be more encouraged in terms of the dopamine hit that they get. So this is like the happy brain chemical, feel good mm-hmm. chemical um, when they are externally stimulated, when they're in a busy environment, when they are talking to lots of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas an introvert, as, as far as I know, it's not that they, they don't get stimulated by that. It's just way less. And, and let's say you're also somebody who has a bit of social anxiety, which I do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's also going to be happening. So no amount of dopamine is going to be making up for that stuff that's going on. Um, and it's, uh, th- there is more stuff to do with like how an introvert's inner world, you know, their inner landscape, their imagination, that is more encouraging to them. Um, and, and that's where my science, I, I'm forgetting stuff, but there's definitely something to do with having uh, a, a very, like a heightened response to the inner, inner world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exploring ideas and playfully constructing things. Yeah, and I, I think even in the Myers-Briggs test, there is some kind of phrase like, uh, sometimes ideas seem more interesting to me than reality. And it's like, that is how, I mean, even as a kid, I mean, I just remember spending most of my time in a fantasy world Mm. and and still today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Although I've certainly come to find that people's stories are many times more interesting than, than the fiction stories, which has definitely rewarded me with getting out of my shell and talking to people. Well, that's it. But we need reminding of that. So, so, so this is another thing. Like if I find that I am introverting too much mm. and I'm forgetting about that side of things, about the external um, reality and, and the richness to be found there and the connection with other people, I have to force myself to get out. And it's, it's usually a sort of like two day, two to three day window where if I've been introverting too much within that time, mm-hmm. like it becomes increasingly hard then to even want to and to be able to remember it it's like remembering how great it is to connect with people especially on a one-to-one basis yeah and so where where can people go to find you and how can you help people well they can definitely go to the creativeintrovert.com and that's where everything i could possibly give you it will be found mm-hmm. um, something that i i invite creative introverts if anyone listening has identified themselves as that to do is to uh join my community the league of creative introverts purely because again it's we need that reminder that we can't do everything on our own we do need the support from other people we do need to be able to connect with other people and we also ideally want a space to do that comfortably so that's what i've tried to create with the league um but yeah that's that's one of many offerings. They can check out the website, I'm sure. Yeah. And one thing that's been coming out in the interviews I've been doing is nobody's done it alone. Everybody's had the success um, that they've had because they have tribe, they have support, they've reached out to find mentors and resources they can learn from. So... 
sounds like you're a great resource for people who um, maybe have an urgent problem around figuring out how to get their work seen yeah. out there and get their story out there. If they've been struggling maybe with writing their about pages or talking about themselves. It sounds like you're the right person to talk to. I definitely love to talk about these things. So happy to help. Yeah. Great. And you have a podcast that has the same name as the book, The Creative Introvert. Yeah. The one place where I'm not very creative is naming things. So everything I do ends up being the creative introvert or something or other. So yes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, Kat Rose, it's been a pleasure talking with you. It has. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. And stick around on the line. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast.